TNA discuss navigating their sexual openness, what A learned from Magic Mike XXL, A's breakthrough in her sexual evolution and how she became too sexually open, and is Teen not as open as she thought when her lover accuses her of being in her head? How sexually open are you guys? <laughs> Welcome to Pushing Boundaries with TNA. So, lots of exciting stuff. It is lots of exciting stuff. Um, T, you're in Montreal right now. I'm in Montreal, uh, in sort of a bat cave, if you will. It's this underground lair. I can't really tell when it's sunny outside, but yesterday it was raining and I rode my bike all through the city. It's really exciting. It turns out wearing little shorts uh, creates rubbing on the bike. Yeah, that's not for good. For any women who plan on bike riding all over the city. city. <laughs> I... <laughs> I feel like I thought I looked super hot in my little like pink shorts. No, that just you know? sounds so uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, midway I thought, oh no! But I will say, I look hot and I'm suffering. That's true. I mean, that's, that's what all women deal with. But and I will say, I ride in miniskirts often, which is also not intentionally. I just happen to be on a miniskirt whenever I find myself on a bike. Not a good idea either. I also noticed I packed a number of mini skirts, and I thought, uh, wait a minute. <laughs> Not a good idea. <laughs> I'm thinking if I wear, like, full co- coverage underwear, it's almost like a leotard or something, and then it's okay. Huh. Okay. Yeah, yeah you know, I, I, we'll see, though. I've got enough shorts to get through, I think, most of the days. Well, hopefully you won't be flashing too many people in Montreal, or hopefully you will. I don't know. It could go either way. <laughs> yeah, hopefully they enjoy it. So T and I were talking about all the things going on in our lives recently. And, and so, yeah, there's this interesting sort of trend going on between you and me and um, about, yeah, sexual openness and sort of it's sort of the theme right now. And so I wanted to share, I saw Magic Mike XXL and I honestly, I thought I was completely immune to this kind of entertainment or this kind of turn on. And I had the best time of my life in that movie theater. I mean, the first 40 minutes sucked. But once you get past that, it was so fun. I had literally, it's just pure, pure fun. And I went with a girlfriend and I was just like squeezing a shoulder the whole time. And I was so turned on afterwards. I literally almost took some random guy who was on the street. I was walking my dog and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so like, I could take this man back to my apartment right now. And... The only reason I didn't do it is because I was afraid of judgment. But it was that effective, and I was really surprised by that. But I, And again, so this goes along with the whole, you know, am I too sexually open now? Because I had this whole experience, which we'll get to, which has, like, blown me open. But now I'm like, I don't know. I think it's too much. <laughs> no, I think that it's interesting, the power of watching these kinds of things, like when it's done well, like good erotic film or books. You know, I mean, I on my flight to Montreal was reading uh, Emmanuel, which is one of the more famous um, erotic novels and, and sort of the same thing. I, I, it turns you on. You sort of become hypersensitive and, and you notice yourself making eye contact with these men. And, oh my God. It's interesting. I, I felt like such a little slut. It was awesome. <laughs> and then like, but you know what I have to say, and this is sort of going to be like a, an infomercial pitch for this movie, but, and I have not seen Magic Mike 1, which I hear is 10 times better. But it was what I loved about it was that, yes, it was so first of all, the dancing and the moves are just artistically and skill wise off the charts. But creatively regarding the like the actual shows that each stripper had to put on, like the whole premise of the movie is they each have to dig deep in their hearts and find out 
find a routine that's like really close to their heart, right? And so like, that it's truly expressive. Yeah, exactly. And so then, um, so they each come up with these routines that are just, and you know, the cool thing, and I wonder who wrote it. I really should look because I'm wondering if it's a woman helped write these scenes because the scenes they come up with are totally in line with a woman's fantasy, not a man's fantasy, but a woman's. And, and they, you know, they get over like, you know, they drop the whole police and the fireman cliche thing. But like one of them, for example, was, um, and I'm not blowing the movie by telling you guys this. Trust me, you'll still go see it. But um, one of them was like a wedding. So he did a real wedding. This isn't my fantasy necessarily. Wow, but, no, but sure, yeah. the fantasy of the perfect man. Right. So like this, you know, awesomely handsome man comes and plucks a woman out and they, they get married. There's rice. Blah, blah, blah. He carries her over the threshold. And then all of a <laughs> so sudden the lights go dark and then everything's red, illuminated red. And then he throws her on this love swing where her legs are splayed open. And then he strips off his tuxedo and the song, it's like, I want to fuck you like an animal. <laughs> and then he just goes to town on her. And I'm like, absolutely. <laughs> wow. And it was so fun because it was mostly women in there in the theater. And we were all just like totally, it was a collective, collective group experience of joy it was so fun so anyway i felt like this in watching 50 shades of gray which a lot of people hated on it in a number of ways but i felt thrill and joy and and i just thought it was good fun and again just it's an erotic exercise yeah yeah you're right and it yeah you, you did you were so funny we watched that together and you were like totally laughing and giggling it was awesome yeah in a good way in not, a good you know, way go, oh, no, you're no, laughing no, at right, it right, I'm, right. Like, no, I'm not laughing at it no, it, it was it like just, it, it, <laughs> like joy it, it, you giggle yeah and I have to say the one thing about this that really drew my on like sort of a deeper level apart from just you know the fun of the bodies and dancing was um I noticed there was so there was a lot of heart from these guys, right? And they even had this scene where they were talking about how healing and how they're healers. And I think it was in the trailer a little bit, but is, the yeah. the full scene was really like how these women are really, you know, either mistreated or that you know they're not appreciated. At least they, that's the way they feel, you know. And so they're, they're yeah, we're healers. We're making them feel great. And and it's true. Like when you really well, maybe also giving women their power back. Like yes, they they feel empowered by this experience, and maybe that'll that should allow them to be bolder moving forward. Totally, because they literally they feel treated like a, a queen, and they feel beautiful and all this stuff. And the one thing, what I thought was really interesting was that I was jealous of the 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 male strippers' experience being in the sex industry. I'm going to call that the sex industry because it is, but yeah, it's still, yeah, the performance. Yeah. And like I, you know, I had a jaunt in the sex industry and, and so like from my experience as a woman, you have to maintain power and control at all times. Like there always has to be a line drawn and your client always has to know that that line is there, you know? And so, because I feel like, even physically, the men are the physically dominating one. Like, as a woman, I'm potentially in danger, you know? And so I always have to monitor. I always had to monitor, like, how, like, the give and take, you know? Because I feel like, you know, the men can try to take too much. And it's, I have to make sure that everything's within my comfort zone, right? And right. and I have to exert a dominance in that situation. But it's always very precarious. You know, it's always something that you constantly have to be tuned into, which takes you away as a provider from the freedom of just 
being in the moment. Not with clients that are established, it, it's fine, you know. But with these guys, they were able to just totally because they're they're the dominant ones physically. They're, the, they're not in danger, right? And so they right. they had such a freedom to just give in to these women and give them their all. And I'm like, whoa, that looks like so much fun. And if I were a man, it's totally the job I would want to do. I see what you're saying, but I, I wonder also though, is there not? There's a public performance quality to what they're doing and in that sense are they not you know the women understand they're not having sex with them I mean I'm wondering if I'm in the movies some of them do have sex with them maybe no no they don't well so just wondering but you know I I don't know it's tough to it is an interesting observation a part of me feels like the pleasure in in watching the film like you're saying they went into their hearts and kind of found what they wanted and and really created a show around that with these women but i i also noticed in the trailer reminded me a lot of the experiences i had at the bdsm club where i played the dominant female but also a submissive female and seeing that that uh in the in the trailer even for magic mike xxl the idea of uh there's still a power dynamic happening um, and and it almost seems like they are saying I'm submitting to you because I'm fulfilling your fantasy, even if it's picking the woman up and throwing her around. They're actually still in a subservient role. I don't know. I don't know. I was there was nothing subservient about that, which which honestly was a huge turn on. And I wonder if it speaks to women's sort of more carnal. I, I feel there's a general, generally speaking, women are more submissive, and I wonder if it just really plays into well, that but- gender role. This goes to the complication of defining BDSM and what's misunderstood, I think, which is, to me, they're serving her pleasure, and it's only with seeing her satisfaction that they're delivering these services. Yeah. Like, it's, like, I feel even just seeing the trailer clips that that was very submissive in this, like, creating desire for her. Well, well, yeah, Um, that's true. It is, for sure. It is a service. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It is does play into that in an interesting way but I wanted to and, just and very much a strong man delivering but delivering with that understanding of anyway yeah yeah giving her pleasure yeah um, but what really intrigued me was the openness like getting back to the sexual openness it's like the and I hear you like it's you know a little obscure as to what's the cause of what but there did seem to be such an openness from the reverse dynamic, watching the reverse dynamic of a male versus a female. and Yeah. No, for sure. There isn't you know, a, versus... a threat, a sexual threat. I mean, we have a culture that's defined by, I don't know, the fetishizing of rape and a lot of rape victims are this sort of thing. And, and so then it became like just domestic violence. I mean, whatever you want to talk about, like there is an issue of women, whatever, for abuse sure, but... against women. So, so there's inherently more of a threat. And then, and then you do see in this film, like you're saying, I mean, you watch it and you're like, wow, this complete uninhibited yeah. expression of their sexuality onto these women. And yeah. it's, yeah, yeah, and it's such a joy. Right. And listen, but, you know, and I think I brought this up in a different show, but I, I feel I've heard this from many men and I've discussed it with them. And, and I, I have to agree because I've seen this in, in myself is I feel like there is, like, one of the cultural beliefs, I think, that American women have buried within us and within our operating system to some degree and probably very various degrees is this notion of always having to be on guard. And again, and this mm-hmm. act, this, yeah. uh, this actually was even brought up with me with a lover, like, a couple weeks ago, where it's like, 
I saw it operating even subtly and I, I'm in no danger with this person, but I could see like the years and years of being, you know, whatever, just living in this culture and being told that, you know, men always want sex and you always have to, you can't give it up and you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, indoctrinated with that idea. Yes. So, yes. Oh my God. You're so right. Yeah. Holding back. Yes. Right. And it's, and, and, and it's constantly, I do think that it's constantly there and I was just, it was a new degree of awareness of like, wow, that is still operating in me. What the F? <laughs> but, um, and so I think it was so refreshing and it was made me long for it by watching this movie and just like, yes, I just want to be in a situation where I can completely unleash myself and not have to be on guard. And you know what I mean? But I, I, I think I can work. I think it's just personal evolution. And as I become more, I was going to say what I, what I have found in general, though, what's fascinating is when you become aware of that as a woman and you start, um, pushing yourself to express your, you know, express yourself freely, that it's often very well received. Yes. And, and yeah. maybe also with men, they'll say that they haven't ever experienced that kind of freedom from a woman, but, but that they're usually elated. I mean, totally. And if they're not, then that's a signal that you're being silenced. Totally. And, um, and you're in being allowed to express yourself. Yeah. So maybe it's not the best dynamic. <laughs> yes, possibly. But yeah, it was, so it was interesting that it was, it was, I've been talking about it because it spurred all these things in me. And so I'm glad I got to talk about it here. But so, you know, watch the movie, see what it does to you. Tell, tell us your thoughts. Tweet us at TA Sex Talk. Go to our website, pbwithta.com. Yeah, share with us what, what Magic Mike opens up for you. I mean, I think these kinds of films are exciting because they seem superficial, right? Or this idea, right. of, oh, it's just, right. you know, erotic trash or something. But it's it's pretty really revolutionary. tapping into uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. fantasy life and and people's uh, yearnings yeah so I had another experience do you, I feel like I've talked a lot do you want to share yours or should I go into this other one no I think we're doing great okay so okay so as as most of you if you've listened to other episodes I I've been seeing um our sexual body worker uh, it's Di- yeah, Diego Walraff. Diego Walraff. And he, uh, he's wonderful. He's been on a couple episodes before, one about masturbation and Tantra. And I, I had no idea. You know, I'm not going to go into it right now, but just sexual body work is like, I had no idea what it was. You know, I've explored it, and it really has been, I mean, it's basically like a, an extended massage thing with a manual vaginal pelvic release. And the point is that there's like all, there's like 30 muscles inside your vagina that you can reach through the pelvic floor. And by releasing the tension in these muscles, which, you know, also energetically, perhaps there's acupressure points and whatnot, it can like really um, release a lot of issues that you have sexually. Emotional stress issues. I mean, this goes back to also our body uh, dynamics class which they don't do this kind of sexual work, but, but it is the idea of this emotional release through your muscles and, and tendons, like where you're carrying tension actually has an emotional history. Totally. And so since I've been working with him, I've honestly, I haven't seen him in three months probably because it's just, we've been traveling and working and crazy, but I just wanted to share, like, I feel like I'm still seeing the effects of working with him, which makes sense because these kinds of things sort of, I think, are exponential in a way. Like, it's just growth. So, um, but I had, I saw a lover recently, and it was, I, it was like this whole 
Kundalini experience that was very much mimicking my experience with Diego where, you know, and I'm not a Kundalini expert. I didn't really know much about it before I started working with him, but it was the only thing that could really describe what was happening to me, which is like, if you, if you YouTube tantric massage, like you see these women orgasming without the men even touching them. And that's exactly what was happening with me on this table. Literally. Like I, without being touched. Yes. Okay, so let me say this. It's funny. I want to read what Kundalini is for, for our listeners, just a brief kind of thing. But I actually have had that as well, where just from a man's words, I will have physical spasms. Sure. Yeah. Okay, so okay. Go uh, ahead, we'll, we'll talk more about that in a second. But basically, Kundalini is a yog- in yogic theory is a primal energy uh, located at the base of the spine. Uh, different spiritual traditions teach methods of awakening Kundalini for the purpose of reaching spiritual enlightenment. Um, Kundalini has been called an unconscious instinctive or libidinal force or mother energy or intelligence, uh, of complete maturation. So that might be a little out there, but I said to result in deep meditation, enlightenment and bliss. Oh, now I think of my sexual experiences being very much tied to this idea of meditation, enlightenment and bliss, basically. (laughs) Me too. I've always said that I'm like, I'm like, sex is the best meditation ever. Oh, yeah. Because if you're really and, and doing more... it right, you have to be in the moment and out of your head and totally there. Yes. And the more meditative it is, the closer you are to your orgasm. I mean, the, the or the longer it, it sort of becomes this long, high. The whole thing is an orgasm. Yeah. It's just a big high. Right. And so, but specific, yeah. And then when I was working with Diego specifically, like these tremors started happening just just more frequently. And like now... Like I tremor, you know, to you and I were talking about this, but it's like tremoring all the time during sex, tremoring, you know, and like, and even outside of sex, just feeling this sort of sexual energy running through me all the time. And I told Diego, I'm like, Diego, I can't handle this. Like, it's too much. Like, I feel so charged. You can't like unleash me into the world like this. And he's like, well, now you have to learn how to channel that into like other parts of your life, which is, I guess, the point of it. You awaken this this energy and you can fuel yourself in all these other ways. Oh, interesting. I, I can't say that I've gotten there yet. <laughs> um, no, but but this is so interesting because around, I think after we had interviewed Diego, um, I had a lover that I think without calling himself this and hasn't done the sort of licensing that he did, you know, he was just a, a lover, someone that I had a relationship with. He very much, um, I think massaged me in that way and and unlocked it and I really started having these physical spasms after our sexual interactions yeah um and I started having that with all my lovers yes see and then I and then and then I started right and then I started experiencing that real high of um when I feel really connected with someone and there's been real attention paid to the body um I will uh I can spasm from their their verbal cues Right? Yeah, and then that right. idea of it's not so much dirty talk, but sort of talk or even affection, right? When they express this kind of thing, will cause the spasm. Yeah, so I just had this really intense experience with with another lover, where same kind of thing was happening, and it was totally mimicking like my sessions with Diego, and and like I don't know, I just had this bubble come up, and I was crying after sex but then laughing hysterically and it was on it it was like our ayahuasca trip (laughs) that that t and i took a a while ago and like but it was i knew it was really healing and so i just let all this stuff come out and then ever since then i've been really uh, like open sexually in a whole new way and sex has taken on 
an incredibly joyful quality, not like it wasn't before, but even more so. And it's very like, I would describe it as effervescent and fun and light, but still super connected. And it's gotten me to the point, T, where like, I feel like I could have sex with anybody. (laughs) And so it's kind of dangerous, though. I feel like, wow, I feel like I could genuinely have a very clean sexual dynamic with like any of my exes or friends or or anybody but and and that's wonderful in a way because there's no blocks or anything and it's very sort of free flow but at the same time I feel like I need to be really extra careful and there's even more responsibility to practice good judgment and when it's actually okay or not you know what I mean yes I do know uh to be that sexually open is almost a gift and something and a curse. <laughs> yeah, well, curse because I feel like Diego might be right that that it's kind of that early rush of it, so it feels out of your control. But you'll see that you have control. I, it's interesting. You're tapping. You you reminded me of kind of a fear I have of, which is um, that openness with some people because they've never experienced it can become like an addiction for them yes yes <laughs> because that's true. they're right. so uh enthralled with the pleasure that they're giving you and so then it becomes a responsibility of of not misleading someone in the relationship yeah and that... and i feel like diego expressed i feel like we've talked with him a bit about that before too like people not misunderstanding the skill set that he's providing as a profession right yeah and I, well Yes. uh, Yeah. And it's a mastery of the body that I think is what inspired, I mean, you know, partly what interests us about doing this show is even the, the ability to go deeper like this, right? Like it's there. And for me, I feel like there's more to discover. Like that's only part of it. Okay. I've got these tremors. What can the tremors lead to? (laughs) Yeah. But (laughs) can it be something even bigger? But even more than just the physicality of it for me, it's like, I feel like, like I was contemplating, you know, all my exes and I'm like, nope, I feel like whereas before I'd be like, oh no, that's not appropriate, you know, to be thinking about being, having a, like a sexual connection with them. And then now I'm like, no, I like, I feel very loving toward them. And I feel not that I wasn't before, but like even more so. And I feel just super open to them in a new way where I'm like, no, I could totally go and have a wonderful night with them and have a great little love affair and be done. You know, and so it's it's almost like there's less fear, there's less need, there's less, you know, the emotional, the emotional stuff as well is being worked on. And so, and that's opened me, I think that's like taking the boundaries off of the social dynamic and like the relationship that was there before. Does that make sense? Yes. And actually, I think that speaks to even my ability to have these different lovers that I've had. I mean, I've sort of had people say, wow, I don't even know how you do it emotionally. You know, one week you're with someone and then another week another and right, there's a rotation happening or or kind of a constant flow of new energy. But I think just hearing you talk about it is is reminding me that that's how I was handling it or not handle it, but but able to take it on. I mean, it was a pleasure to connect, right? It was a a freedom and a joy um, to share with whoever it was that I had chosen as a lover, as a partner. Um, And often because they were able to share in the same way, right? They're giving back. 
um, yeah, and, and energy as well. Um, I have to say that there, there maybe for the first time I had an experience where I thought, oh, okay, like I'll move forward. Sometimes there's still pain, like in separating with someone that you really feel a connection with. Um, but then there's, I feel like I'm dealing with, you know, one person maybe stuck in my head a little bit more than I thought they would. Yeah. Well, you know, that's the nature of, yeah. I mean, yeah. And that's a totally separate show of how to like monitor those dynamics and whatnot, but. Well, and when do you decide to have an actual relationship? Sure. Yeah. But I feel like I'm enjoying this new openness because I feel. Uh, it's awesome. I, 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 yeah, it feels great to know, to feel capable of like just having a beautiful connection with everyone. Um, I'm a little nervous at the moment because I don't want to go crazy and I don't want to, it's just responsible. Like I can't go up and, you know, I have to consider everyone else's feelings and every, not that I'm going to just go and wreak havoc sexually on everyone around me. But I, you know, anyway, I'm just a little like, You're going to wreak havoc. (laughs) (laughs) Beware of like everybody in my neighborhood as I'm like (laughs) walking the dog, like I could take you home right now. So funny. Right. Well, I, you know, something that, that I, I now do feel kind of a strong distinction between expectations of a relationship with someone and sexuality. And I, and there's, there's sort of your daily goings on with the person and how you'd like to be treated in that dynamic. And then there's really this time that you're making for sex and, and then how you communicate through sex together. Um, so something that's been coming up for me is this idea of where does, what kind of relationship do I want provided that we have this sexual component as well, right? So what partner am I picking? And And I think it's scared me to have that. There's fear, but I think actually it's a very empowering position to be in. Um, I'm not guided by the sexuality, right? I'm I'm choosing and making a choice uh, because I have more control over my sexuality because there is that greater depth. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like I've always been that way where I've never, like I've never seen a man and I don't think this is from repression I think it's just control over it where I've never like you know started something just because I'm like physically or or carnally aroused but now but I feel like I've been oh go ahead but I was saying but now there's this new degree of like openness and constant arousal like this constant energy running through me where it makes me feel like yeah, I mean, just a little nervous about it. But I think you're right. I think you're right in that it's just a timing thing. And I think, you know, as I get used to this, it'll shift. And I don't No, know. but I, I feel like there's something about my, what do I want to say? Maybe my earlier relationships where I was more driven by a, a projection or perception of what I deem like a healthy relationship. And, and sexuality was a part of it but it wasn't as exploratory there wasn't as much of a depth it felt almost finite like oh well we have quote good sex right and uh and they fill these boxes of what i think my companion should look like look be not you know traits not just physically although i put physical limits on it as well and um and i and i see the limitation in that um and i think i had fear around being able to acknowledge the difference all of a sudden um but 
I'm starting to understand how that can actually be very powerful because I'm now making active choices. It's like not being asleep anymore. I'm out of the matrix. Ah! So it helps to be sexually open, T, because then you can be more uh, informed with your decision, you know, like there's um, and your actions. It's like, yeah, again, there's more responsibility, but like, but it broadens your experience of where you're coming from and. Uh, yeah anyway yeah, yeah broadens, broadens it. it and maybe allows you to find a better match as a partner in your relationships so you are dealing with something interesting at the moment yes um this whole conversation has really empowered me and my confidence <laughs> just now talking with you but something very interesting happened with a lover um i i get where he's coming from so it's it's there's this issue I'm grappling with. I mean, essentially we're having sex and I was having a difficult time reaching orgasm, which has not been a problem for a while now. Uh, Uh, I feel pretty in control of my body and I'll say, okay, I'm coming now. Uh, But it still requires, you know, I I tend to make this analogy of like, you know, if I'm a musical instrument, some are more complicated than others. And you know, the one man band has to be going and then, and then I orgasm or I can control it with my, you know, doing it myself as well. Uh, anyway, so I was having a harder time reaching orgasm and, and he asserted that maybe I was in my head and he could feel me distancing further and further from him as I became more frustrated at not orgasming. Right. So then we were losing our connection, which was of course making it more difficult. And then he's losing interest. And so he said, look, you're getting in your head and you're like fixating on this orgasm. Um, which T I mean, and I'm just playing devil's advocate. I'm going to play devil's advocate here is sure. And this is going to highlight my frustration, (laughs) (laughs) but this has been like a, we've gone back and forth about this and I wonder if, you know, you, you do seem to be pretty orgasm centered. Yes, but we have focused on it. We, I think it gets misinterpreted because I feel what was happening is, um, I feel that I, I have certain buttons that can be pressed that help me reach this more, uh, dreamlike, meditative, deeper sexual state. And when I requested them, they weren't always met. And then I was more in my head going, why isn't he meeting that? Why won't he do it for me? And then that, then sure, then there, then your brain does turn on more. <laughs> so there's anger and like annoyance and all those things that pull mm-hmm. you out. And then, and then you do get backed up. Um, so he was accusing you of being in your head and um, like not and going I, with the flow. I said okay. back to him that there's actually, I said, yes, but I have verbally asked for something and you're not delivering it. And what did he say to that though? He said, well, he felt that he did. And he also feels like maybe this is more a, you had suggested this earlier, which was like, well, maybe it's just going with a flow and accepting what someone's giving and enjoying that and and not judging like, well, I have a checklist of things that have to happen before this boat can sure. turn on. Right. Um, and, and I don't know. I mean, I you know, there's conflict in it because I go, well, I feel really in charge, not in charge, but yeah, in charge of my sexuality. I mean, I'm, you know, I've gotten this orgasm thing down. And so then I wondered if I... 
it highlighted an issue that I think might be a, a gender bias where I wonder how many women are being told, oh, you're malfunctioning and you're in your head um, and this is why we're having problems rather than... Like maybe, right, rather than maybe he's, you know, getting his ego burned that he's not able to bring you to orgasm and is trying to put it on you rather than like, you know, see where he has responsibility in it. Right. You know, yeah. I, I find that I actually have a pretty, I, I guess there's some women that have less of a clear voice. I mean, even when I was younger and had less knowledge of my sexuality, I couldn't tell a man what I needed to reach orgasm, right? And then they'd say, well, what is it that you want? What, what can I do for you? Um, and maybe that's shaped my sexuality. Maybe the men that I've come across have generally asked these kinds of questions. Um, so then it really became me tailoring my appetite and saying, well, I really like this and I really like that. And if you do this, I'll reach orgasm, right? And then they do and it seems to work. So so to then be confronted with someone, well, I guess the real question is, I mean, you could go based on our conversation, you go, yeah, that guy's an asshole and he's not giving me what you need. But something about it is keeping me there because he he's not belligerent, right? He's not not listening. He listens to me and then says, well, maybe there's, it feels like you're going in your head and you're resisting and I want to bring pleasure and we have connected on a higher level. We have had these sort of higher euphoric connections. Um, so, so for you to then all of a sudden have a moment where we're not connecting, you know, feels like you're, you're resisting. Right. So it, it, it acted as kind of a, a, it raised an interesting question about like how, how open am I and how, uh, and how much am I, you know, why am I resisting when I do resist? Right. These are all worthy questions of asking. Yeah. Well, and sometimes I think, you know, it could just even be, are we making enough time for the actual love session? Right. If if it's really about this sort of doting on each other exercise, you know, where you're just giving and there's there's a real flow of energy and sexuality and pleasure. Um, and so maybe if we don't take enough time for that, then then we're not peaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes you don't always I mean, maybe my frustration came from this idea of like, well, sometimes we don't always have time. So then we need to hit those checklist points and call it a night. Yeah. And I think also, honestly, I mean, my feeling is that orgasm isn't like I don't orgasm every time sometimes I'm my sexual energy is just very low and I'm happy to just dance and play for a bit and that's really that's all I really want or need and like it's so it doesn't happen so it's like but it does kind of going with the flow of like yeah timing what's available and where you are but I mean if you're super charged and you just want to like let this stuff out that's one thing but I don't know that's why that's why I'm wondering like maybe if they're resisting that kind of like you have it in your mind that you have to orgasm every single time and if not you're going to be upset and angry and no but I I get what you're saying I think maybe earlier in my sexuality um speaking of these sort of inhibitions and boundaries we set up like uh, my own fear of being taken advantage of right this sort of stereotyped projection of like oh a man's going to use me to come and then I don't get to right so I demand that I come first and then you can come you know and kind of having these yeah like hard lines that have nothing to do with like meeting as individuals and really connecting on a higher level do you think that's Um, playing here though do you think that overcompensation is 
maybe no actually i think it used to be an issue i really don't get upset if a man comes before me i found that actually i can still orgasm even after using hands or um even toys i mean both um and i do find that i genuinely physically would like to orgasm and it might be a male maybe there is like a hormonal thing happening right that that makes you and i different um you're you and that makes you and me different and you and me you and me is right (laughs) you and me yeah like well grammar uh anyway uh but yeah i mean i you know i i would say that i'm okay with not orgasming sometimes but i it's probably one out of ten right you know yeah so what are you gonna do what am i gonna do I'm going to try and make sure we really have the time for a meditative connection. And aside from that, then, then maybe we actually say, well, maybe now is not right. Or like you're saying, we say, all right, well, it's an aperitif or it's a little snack. Right. You know, but have, a little warm-up snack. What if, you, what if you, like, went into your next encounter with him totally with, like, coming from a different place, like, totally giving up Anything that you have, any expectations, anything that you want to happen, anything that you think should happen, anything that you think it should happen this way, like just leave all that at the door and see where it goes. I mean, maybe he That's would show fun, you something. Can I ask you? Or like, this, I don't know. Well, this makes me think of almost like a like a BDSM exercise based on just the two parties I went to. Uh, you know, could there be an exercise that where we give up power to each other? So one session is maybe that idea of me coming in and saying, I'm here, I'm, I submit to anything you want to do. So you actually guide this. Because I feel like it's a bit nebulous to say, okay, just come in it with no expectations. And then it's like, well, isn't, you know, it's a give and take, right? So maybe it's actually giving a title to the roles and saying, you know, okay, you're quote dominating tonight. You tell me what you want. And if it's, you know, like even like, as like if it's a blowjob for a half an hour, that's I'm, I'm doing that you know, uh, or whatever. It's like, am I, my pleasing him? Or maybe he wants to pleasure me. And so I do whatever he wants. Um, and then maybe it's a reversal, you know, and then the next time we do it the other way around and maybe through that we test the limits or maybe you discover something. Yeah. Right. Well, we, we push it, we we're pushing the limits, right? Like we've gone to the two opposite extremes and then we're able to find that middle ground. Yeah, I mean, sexually communicating. I think it's worth exploring. I feel, you know, I, I, one of my concerns with this whole women's empowerment thing, and maybe you guys are going to hate me for saying this, but one of my concerns is we hate you is being is being (laughs) too strong, is being too. This is what I want. This is who I am. Fuck all. Da da da. And it's like it creates a rigidity, and I am sensing that honestly in a lot of women that I meet, and it's like ah. I don't, I don't know if that's really the, the, you know, that's not women's, that's not an empowered woman. That's a woman compensating. Feeling desperate. Yeah. Scared. Yeah. And like, and like compensating and, and trying to act like a man. And so, and so and there's a lot, so I don't know. I don't know what the solution is. I just, I just am no, observing, I think you raise a really good point. I'm observing this trend and it just makes me, when we're talking about sexual openness and, you know, your thing about are you resisting or is he just being, you know, controlling? I would explore it, you know? I agree. I agree. Um, And I guess I was just discussing like the different ways of 
actually exploring it. And um, and then it's so funny because now I feel like I'm like a BDSM advocate or something. Well, I, but I think I think the interesting thing about BDSM, apart from just BDSM, is just it really is a chance to explore polarities and 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 polarized genders and roles. So and I, yes. and there's a lot of room for learning in those extremes. Yes, and it also I think creates a mirror reflection for you and your patterns. And so maybe as women, we really benefit from it because our power has often been threatened or we've, and we've been constantly told that it's under threat and, you know, right? Like all this stuff, it's like noise in your head about where you stand, um, which makes you very self-conscious, right? So to do these kinds of, I'm like, oh, so ladies get to those BDSM parts. (laughs) (laughs) No, but, but an interesting opportunity to really check in with yourself and see I mean, this speaks to our theme, which is like, how open am I? And am I, do I have blocks that I'm not seeing? Or, or is my partner falsely projecting or, or, and you know, it's somewhere in between. I mean, if it's a partner that's worth exploring with because you have a strong connection in some way, then, then it's worth testing out those, those, uh, power roles. Mm-hmm. I agree. I feel great. This was a great therapy session. <laughs> <laughs> no, hopefully those of you listening are, you know, connecting with this idea as well and can, you know, take advantage of that idea. I uh, Yeah. I, I mean, uh, how we are, how open we are sexually, I think can influence all different aspects of our lives, which is why we wanted to talk about it. And they just started construction in my apartment, so I should... We should probably stop recording at this point. This is a perfect time to say goodnight <laughs> and goodbye and good day. Thanks for listening. Uh, you're listening to Pushing Boundaries with TNA. And check out our website at pbwithta.com. Leave us a voicemail. Send us an email. We want to hear from you. Tweet us at TA Sex Talk. And uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.